and my stomach started making noise <laughs> right when it started. Mm -hmm. I hate when it's silent and your stomach's like bubbling. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> hey guys, welcome back to Gimme the Creeps. We are on part two of the Susan Cox Powell story. So if you haven't heard part one, I suggest you go back and check it out. This story has multiple storylines attached to it. So bear with me as we go through this. The amount of perversion and manipulation come from multiple antagonists and the amount that they possess is unbelievable so just hang on and remember i'm including the minimal amount of facts so there's room for discussion but you can head over to the cold podcast hosted by dave cawley c-a-w-l-e-y where you can listen to josh's voice journals and other exclusive content and if you google the cold podcast and google susan powell uh, Dave Colley has assembled some of the journals and stuff onto a website. I believe it's called like Desert Tear or something. Don't take my word for it. But um, if you're still interested in seeing more stuff that's very personal to Susan Powell, then you can head over there for that exclusive content. And now that that's out of the way, my co-host Daniela is here to listen to this story and give her input and opinion during the whole thing. I just wanted to go ahead and throw the disclaimer out there first. I'm not trying to act like I'm the only one on here today. <laughs> I forgot that we talked about um, doing it that other way. <laughs> yeah, alone. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's but. it's definitely different. I don't I don't know how I feel about it. I had to re-record whenever I did it by myself. I re-recorded it like twice because it felt weird <laughs> talking to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be honest and upfront right now. If you are a male, you might want to skip this episode, but you really shouldn't. Um, this is going to feel like a hate episode on all men, but it's very specific to Josh Powell so um, and who he was as a man. So just a disclaimer, don't think that this is the she-man, woman-haters club, or man-haters club, whatever they say. And thank you for listening. <laughs> Uh, also, as always, be aware that our content may not be suitable for all audiences. We will be discussing abuse, manipulation, some graphic information is also going to come about in the next few parts. So just keep that in mind. So in the last episode, the not so hot, hot topic of discussion was Steve Powell's unacceptable behavior towards Susan Powell, which is his son's wife. Steve Powell is just so creepy. I just can't. I just can't handle it. Word. He is disgusting. If you look up what he looks like, too, it, like, gives an even bigger, like, creep vibe. It really does. That video where he's, like, describing how infatuated he is with Susan and, like, how she does everything for him to see her doing it is, like, he's smiling, like, smirking, and it's so – it's just creepy. Mm -hmm. He's sitting on the bed also and, like, taking his clothes off while he's doing it. So that definitely adds – that adds to that for sure. Um, so Josh's father had an obsession with Susan, like next level lifetime original movie portrayal kind of obsession. And I barely even like scratched the surface last time I feel. So um, go on and keep digging if you're if you're not creeped out yet by him. It's pretty disgusting and disturbing. Um, but let's go back and work from there. Here's a little recap or refresher. Steve Powell, her father-in-law, drove Susan to her parents' home and came on to her, and she rejected his affections for her, and she was very uncomfortable the whole time. Um, he didn't know that he got it on camera until he was seeing what shots of Susan he got that day, which is like creepy anyway. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he was like looking through the photos and videos of them uh, while I guess Josh was getting training. Steve was just recording Susan um, at that facility until she wanted to go to her parents' house. So then they were alone driving and he captured everything on camera. He noticed the video, which didn't show anything because it was inside the bag. The camcorder was. However, the mic caught everything. So he had to like relive that. Um, mm. Of course, he's probably in denial over the whole thing. So I, I don't know how much it really bothered him to watch his rejection or listen to it, uh, actually. Susan, of course, told Josh after this incident, who was furious and confronted Steve, which is kind of shocking, um, but it goes away quickly. So don't be surprised yet. Um, Josh said, I guess insanity runs in the family. But Steve, the little worm that he is, said insanity started with Susan and that she came on to him first. Of course. 
And he was only reacting to her advances. I mean, after all, he's he's only human, you know, and she's a beautiful woman. So I guess he thought that that was going to work, which it fucking did because Josh is so pathetic. And it almost seemed to let, he almost seemed to let it slide. And Steve even noted this in his journals saying things like, my son's not mad at me. I think it's going to be fine. And Steve even said he doesn't think Susan was really upset with him either. So he he denied that she was innocent in all of this. And like I mentioned before, his daughter later agreed as seen in the Oxygen special where she claimed Susan was flirtatious and liked the attention even from creepy Steve. What in the fuck? Uh, and, uh, so we have to, I'll just remind everyone, Josh has an older sister, Jennifer Graves, who was pretty much looked at by Steve in like a predatory way. So she's against Steve. The sister who I'm referring to is Elena, who's the younger sister of Josh. And they're pretty much all team Steve. Unfortunately, when they were younger, they were brainwashed into being on their father's side, leaving Jennifer and the mother to be on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about Steve and Terry's marriage uh, a little bit later so that we can kind of relate Josh and Steve in their marriages separately. So um, we'll do that a little bit later in this episode. So now that we're all caught up, um, he, Josh, I can't believe this. Josh still secretly spoke with Steve even after they moved out of his home and there was really no reason to speak, especially what he did to Susan. I would think he would take his wife's side, but no. Um, He would call his dad, making sure Susan couldn't hear him. And uh, he couldn't see him in person for a couple of months, but he definitely kept in touch. And Susan was livid when she found out after a while that he had been sneaking around still talking to his dad. The whole fact of him sneaking around just goes to show that he was doing something wrong. Right. Um, And he should have known that. Um, And then I'm sure he was back to um, being on speakerphone all day long whenever she found out. He was like, oh, I don't have to hide this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had been at the Orchard Park Center in Yakima. And that's basically a senior living center. They were trying to like go into that business and start their own or I don't know. Josh always had these like wild ideas. So it's even hard for me to keep up with all the jobs he was trying to do um, whenever I was researching this because he would bounce from one thing to another uh, without thinking about job security and that kind of thing. So they go from Yakima to a place in Olympia, Washington. So they move completely away. Josh had graduated from Washington with his business degree and didn't want to have a boss. And he had the idea that he wanted to be his own boss, a dream he seemed to always be chasing. So there were they were closer to Steve is what I was getting at. When they moved to Olympia, Washington, they were closer to Steve. And I guess he kept coming around like he would come visit randomly. And Josh wouldn't pay attention to how he was still trying to be close with Susan after she turned him down. He was still like not giving up. He had this image in his mind that she was going to come around, but they end up leaving Washington and we will pick up here in a second. But first I have to mention this part so that we can discuss. Susan was going to be free of Steve, but something else became apparent. Josh's lack of intimacy and affection towards his wife wasn't new. Um, So she's starting to notice more and more that even without any kind of interruptions or anything, and it's just the two of them in their marriage, he's not affectionate with her at all. Like he won't hold her hand. He won't cuddle with her. And his ex told in an interview that Josh had become colder over time in their relationship as well. Uh, Catherine, if you remember, Mm -hmm. she had started dating Josh when she was 19. And I think he was like a year or two older. Josh had gone from kissing and holding hands to complete lack of affection over time. And it took a toll on Catherine's self-esteem. And when they moved in together, he would barely kiss her. And he was saying that he didn't want to get sick. So he was playing it like a germaphobe pretty much. Which didn't make any sense. Yeah, that's (laughs) real shady. It was an excuse. And I'll tell you my theory in a minute, but I'll let you like develop yours. Um, it wasn't that he was a germaphobe, I'm sure. What I really think is, is uh, he would get horny and I feel like he could feel himself losing control of himself. And that's how he saw it in his mind. 
And guys, this is just my theory. So just hear me out. He had to be in control. He would not allow himself to even feel like he's being manipulated. Sex is part of most relationships most of the time. And that's a shared experience that should always be consensual. That being said, when he was making out with Catherine or Susan, I think he would become aroused and feel like swept up in what they were doing. And it would cause him to panic. And that's when he would back out and be like, okay, I got to shut this down now. And so at that point, that's when he started like backing off of even getting it going. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so that's just my theory. I didn't read that anywhere. I just went, I just kind of, well, first of all, I was very stoned. So if, if that makes any sense, it's the, it's the weed. It's, I'm not that smart, but I'm not a psychologist. I don't know anything. This is just me drawing a conclusion from what I read. Um, but I, I hope you see where I'm coming from with that because I genuinely don't know if he was asexual cause that might also be the case. Um, but I don't know. I can't tell cause asexual, you know, you're not very interested in sex. It's like the last, like not even on your list at all of things to do. So if that was the case, then that's perfectly fine. He just probably needed to be upfront with Susan before they got married because I'm sure she expected some kind of intimacy from her husband. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he would be like I'm gonna get sick I can't kiss you so okay so fine weird. ass <laughs> that is so weird uh, to say like I don't know I know I know I wonder how I would even respond if that was someone's reason it's it's like, not okay. it's like shady it's not weird it's just shady right it's like why can't you just tell me the truth right um, Right. And and then when you see his dad, his I mean, as you can see, he was a very sexual guy, always aroused and like very desperate. Um, so not to say he got laid very often, but he definitely was seeking intimacy, especially with Susan. Disgusting, Steve. Um, so in those cases, the horniness wasn't recipro- reciprocated and that was upsetting. But I'm sure if Josh was upset like that, he obviously could have sex with his wife. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh I'm not sure if he was upset like that, but he obviously could have sex with his wife. Um, she was Mormon, but she was his wife and that's normal. So I don't know. Strange. Um, so, cause like, it doesn't say anything about con- like contraception or anything for their religion. They could practice sex however they chose to, whether it was to start a family or not. Right. They aren't like, it's not like the way Catholics are like not believing in birth control if they're super devout. Mm-hmm. Um, so that couldn't have been an excuse either. Um, and in the oxygen special, it was stated so well that the abuse started slowly and it just kept pushing the boundary over time. And I'm referring to Steve here. Um, I'm going to jump back to Steve and at another good point that the expert on that show had was that no one, she had no one to report to whenever she was with Steve and Josh, because, um, they wouldn't immediately take her side. I'm sure that's why she kept to herself until she really couldn't whenever Steve made it obvious and apparent by vocalizing his feelings. Um, because then it was proof, you know, like, okay, but he said he was interested in me. He's not yeah. insinuating. But not only that, she was respecting him because they were, after all, living there and relying on him because Josh had nothing going on and they had to live with Steve for a little bit. So He made comments on her body in so many videos right to her face, and you can tell she just feels helpless and has to just accept it. But then there's Elena Powell, Steve's daughter, who says that she she liked the attention and that she would show Steve her leg on camera after she waxed it, which she had. I don't know Susan's reasoning for this at all. Um, I I honestly think she did that to make it, like, um, because I've had to do this before, too, like, Almost like giving him permission, right? Like so that it's so that it's like not as embarrassing. Yes, you don't want to make it a huge deal, so you're just gonna play along just to Mm -hmm. just to make it not weird to make yourself not a victim. Mm -hmm. There it is. You're gonna you're just gonna play along just to get through the fucking shit, you know? Like absolutely, I totally get what you mean. mm -hmm. Um, It almost reminds me. A trigger warning here with rape where it's not a violent rape. And I'll bring up Orange is the New Black because I just saw the episode, um, spoiler alert, where Doggett, have you, you've seen Orange is the New Black, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where Doggett, I just got to the part where she's with that donut guy oh, yeah. and they're friends and they're having a great time. They like each other, but suddenly 
he rapes her and she she had had this happen to her before where she's just like okay just let him get it over with and that's what she was taught as a child Mm -hmm. when her mom discussed sex with her so it's almost like well she didn't say no but it's like she's not saying yes you know what i mean yes yes and it's awful it's the kind of passiveness where it's just safer to play along you know to go along with it because there's there's more trouble to, there's more trouble that's going to come out of it if you fight it. You know yes, what I mean? So, exactly. um, and you don't want, and I mean, Elena, di- Elena did this anyway. She, you know, said she liked it, whatever. She was interested in the mm-hmm. um, relationship they had going on, but that just wasn't the case. So after leaving the apartment in Yakima, there was another place in Olympia, which I mentioned a second ago uh, in Washington. So now they're another in another state and they're trying to buy a home. Uh, so then they moved to Utah because like I said, in Olympia, they were closer to Steve. So they moved to Utah in December of 2003. They stayed with Jennifer Graves, Josh's older sister and her family. And Jennifer comments that Susan was not a passive partner. She wanted to say, um, she wanted a say in what she did and in, in her life. And when you said she didn't want to be a victim, you were exactly right. Uh, she would not just listen to Josh. She would say her piece and, try to get him to understand her and uh, it just didn't work out. But Jennifer did see the effort there. Um, Josh and Susan landed jobs at Fidelity through a temp agency and they found a realtor in late January, 2004. And then they landed their Sarah Circle home in West Valley City, Utah. Josh starts journal entries in the third person at this point, which is very interesting um, in his documentation of his life. He also was thanking God for their new life, but he wasn't even really religious at this point. So I don't know what that was all about, but he would say things like no longer would they have to share a space. Like he was talking about them in the third person. It was very, very strange. Um, it was really weird. And I'm not sure if that's like a narcissistic like thing or what, but I don't know. So- <laughs> that's what it sounds like. So they might not have even gotten the mortgage if the lender knew that they were at temporary jobs. Um, Josh was doing data entry, but he was let go from Fidelity right before they got the home loan, while Susan was kept on in the call center and uh, was given a full-time position, and she easily made friends. So she's she's doing what she can to support them just already and making the best of it. Finally, they can just be the two of them and start their lives. And Susan's hope of starting a family can be realized. So she still has hope for the future for them at this point, but we'll see that begin to change. Um, So there Susan was supporting Josh best she can. Um, His first thought is to not work for anyone directly and to make a lot of money fast. So naturally he wanted to be a real estate guy, (laughs) but that takes work. (laughs) I don't think he knew that. She was willing to get a license just to answer his phones. Can you believe that? She's so supportive. I bet if he was like, I want to be an astronaut, she'd be like, oh my gosh, I am on your side. And I just can't believe how he doesn't deserve her. Yeah, he just doesn't deserve her. It's just so embarrassing for him. Uh, So she joined the local LDS church and was settling in nicely. And she was friends with her neighbors and became best friends with Kiersey Hellowell who worked with her. Uh, She was appointed a calling, which is a volunteer position at her church. Um, Basically when you're appointed a calling, her role is to help do something. And in this case, it was to help young women in the church. So she made friends that way as well. And in June, I know, isn't that so sweet? She's um, becoming involved in everything that she enjoys. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, what is Josh really doing? Like nothing. He's just on his computer all day long. Um, So she got uh, a full-time position at Fidelity, which came with benefits with this position. And she got her stockbroker's license at the same time uh, while while she's working. Yeah. And all while being freshly pregnant. That's right. She's pregnant. He finally touched her. I know. And I feel like I'm not sure about both pregnancies because she will have another child, but she knows the date of conception because that's how little they would, you know. Oh, shit. Uh, Yeah, so you do it. Yeah, exactly. I know. I wonder what Josh calls it. Do you think he was, like, silent during sex or something? Ew, I don't think so. I feel like he was a fucking douche canoe through the whole thing. I don't know. I can't even picture it. 
but anyway so she's pregnant she gets she's doing all this stuff while she's pregnant and josh is working on getting his real estate business going and he's still talking to steve on speakerphone i i put that on there uh on january 19th of 2005 she went into labor with their first son charlie Josh was busy messing with his computer and her parents drove out to their home and they were the ones to drive her to the hospital. Oh my God. Uh, This one makes me so mad. I can't. I know I am livid. So they're at the hospital with their daughter and she's going into labor. She's like in, she's ready to, you know, go into labor and he arrives an hour later with his laptop. Oh, my God. I would have smashed and, the fuck out of that thing. I would have, too. I don't know how she... Well, at this point, she's probably not even paying attention. She's probably in a lot of pain. But, oh, my gosh. She's I would be... So... And in front of her parents. Like, mm-hmm. have you no shame? Mm-hmm. Um, so, he's on that laptop up until nearly the very end of her delivery. And Chuck, her father, shut his laptop and told him to go be by Susan. So Josh goes goes along with it and goes and takes her hand and she finishes delivering their first child. And Susan apparently said to her dad, see, Josh is here for me. He's very supportive. And Chuck had to just go along with it and bite his tongue. Ew, I would have been like, listen, I uh, had to bring him. I had to pry oh, that laptop. Come. Like, what are you... Oh, make him come. I'm just kidding. I'll cut that out. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not appropriate. But yes, he did have to go force him to be by her, which is like, come on, dude. Like, you're about to be a dad. I don't know. I don't know. I guess he was just not very interested. I don't even know what he even really did on that laptop, but whatever. So, um, uh, what is it? Damn it. This is going to be, um, Reference to future things that you talk about, but he was looking at uh, hentai. Was that what he was looking at? He was looking at that, right? Oh, oh, animated porn. Yeah, that's what he was looking at, right? Yes, uh, yeah. He does. He does. Uh, they do find that on his computer later on. That's it's like animated cartoon porn. Um, I see a lot of Lois Griffin in the ads for those. Oh, I have seen that too, and I don't. I do people. <laughs> any further than that people i know i see her bo- they put big boobs on her and stuff and i'm like okay people really look at lois like this that's cool yeah people um really... <laughs> they... okay here we go yeah, I can't believe you just... <laughs> <laughs> i used to always do that <clears throat> okay here we go so like you and hunter like <laughs> fucking in y'all's room and you're just fucking trying yeah. to get the mood going by saying that shit i put on a, a red-haired wig and t- turn around and say that how embarrassing Ooh, i hand him a pair of round glasses and a white button up there it is y'all like this is what we're role playing y'all can be <laughs> for halloween i've told him that too oh lord <laughs> That's hilarious. No, he just chuckles and shrugs it off like whatever. But (sighs) so funny. Um, So, okay. So Susan has baby Charlie and uh, Josh. Chuck mentions that Josh has fear in his eyes for the first time. So I guess he really realized he was a father right then. But who knows what was really going through his mind. Like it might have been. Actually, I do kind of know, if I'm remembering correctly, in the voice journals that are in the cold episode, he states, um, I find I have a son and he he's mine. Like, this is my son and he's going to look up to me and he's going to love me. So it was a very, like, selfish kind of love that he felt for yeah. his kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just wanted them to idolize him pretty much. So... From the beginning, I think that's how it was. And her friend Kiersey Hellowell said that Josh was very unattached in the way that he loved showing Charlie off, but he did not do any of the actual work, like changing diapers, putting him to sleep, feeding Mm -hmm. him. He just wanted to kind of show him off and be like, look at my son. Isn't he so cool? And like a new toy. I know. So I can imagine him like holding Charlie and then being like, oh, you need your diaper changed and then just taking him to Susan. (laughs) Annoying. Oh my god! Yeah, that is really annoying. Yeah, it gets worse, guys. Just brace yourself. If you if you didn't already hate this guy, just wait. Trust me. So 
Josh doesn't always want to focus on real estate either. He he even wants Susan to go back to work after her mater- maternity leave is over, but she's very like attached to her son right away. Like some mothers, I'm not going to say that it's easy for them to go back to work, but Susan really saw herself staying at home with Charlie and being with him as long as possible. And a lot of husbands try or partners try to make that happen, you know, because it's a sad thing to have to go to work and leave your child when they're so little. So mm-hmm. since she loved being a mom so much and would have loved to be able to stay home, she, as long as she wanted, she was hoping that he would pick up the pace on what he was doing, but that was not the case at all. They took financial assistance from the church even whenever they got behind on bills. And Susan wrote in her journal that she felt like a mooch. And so she just really didn't like it. But Josh is just used to it at this point. He'll take money from anyone, even if he hates them. (laughs) So she wished Josh would step up and she was very stressed and very drained. And, um, Not to mention the frustration from not having sex. Oh my goodness. It had been over a year since the last time they had sex, she mentions in one of her journal entries. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to, and his excuse this time now was that he didn't want to have another baby or get sick. So now it's two reasons. (laughs) Um, But even, like I said, like even taking account her religion, contraception was fine. So they could have planned for it. I'm not, I don't know if she was, maybe she personally didn't want to do that. And so they had to be extra careful and he didn't trust himself. I have no idea like what the case was like about uh, family planning, but he just really said, we can't afford another baby. So I'm not going to touch you. He wrote that he could cuddle for a little bit, but he'd have to get up after a few minutes uh, to stay in his comfort zone. Oh, Uh, I know. Poor thing. So he was, however, hoarding any kind of paperwork that he could and scanning them into his computer and she would help him do this. And it was a lot like it was receipts and different documents. He just loved putting them into I I wish he could just get a job doing that. Like, can't you just find a place where they need you to do that and get paid for it? But whatever, he just did it on his free time, um, which was most of his time. Uh, So she would pray and cry. And it only got worse when she went back to work after five weeks. She was very sad to leave Charlie. Um, She considered quitting and working for his real estate business, but that wasn't going anywhere. So she would have really quit her job for nothing. And Josh even forgot their anniversary that year. Uh, of course he did. Uh, girl, all the signs are there, but she went to her bishop at least. So she at least um, is trying to fix her marriage instead of just leaving. And she told him all about Steve and Josh. And he recommended that they go to marriage counseling, which Josh was always against that, um, of course, because he's perfect and he can do no wrong. So why would he want to hear people criticize him? Um, so the bishop told Josh to show his wife a little more affection. And he shoved him off saying that they couldn't afford another baby. Um, why when do they you first have to be, why I know. Do you have to yeah, he's standing his baby room. every time you're affectionate. What the fuck? I know Susan in her journal was even like kissing. Doesn't, you can't get a baby from kissing at least like, damn. Um, Jesus I know it's so heartbreaking. I can't imagine having a partner that constantly pushes you away while, ha- while forcing you to basically take care of them. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay, and then at this point, so it's it's what, like 2005-ish? So at, at this point, he had stopped going to church, and he started resenting how involved she was in the church. She went to church without him because that's how important it was for her. And by February 2006, they had discussed the logistics of divorce, but she was willing to try harder to make it work. Uh, she said, even in her journals, that she would keep working and not spend money, and she will only do hair at others homes or when he's not home and she can continue to try and scan on her free time which scan in those things that he wanted scanned into his computer and that she would read them scriptures to kind of strengthen their marriage and their faith in their marriage but he was doing little to nothing so she's adding more to her plate by by trying even harder than she already was and it's just very sad to see um when it's not reciprocated. The scanning part is wild, but remember how they scan any and all receipts or kinds of documents they get. So keep that in mind. And Susan quit Fidelity in May of 2007, and they took out a second mortgage on the Sarah Circle home. Mm -hmm. Um, No real estate yet, but Josh bought a full page ad in the local phone directory, and they did their part um, to 
facilitate that. But Josh, however, refused to pay them, claiming that there was a misprint. Um, uh, well, he might know a thing or two about scanning, but he needed to learn more on scamming because mm. the company was not having it. And the company sent the account to a debt collector who sued Josh in, uh, in Utah state court, resulting in $91,000 in unpaid costs. Oh, my gosh. So he's like putting them into more debt by trying to be a little scoundrel. Annoying. Mm-mm. He's just making things worse. I just can't stand him. So she she said that she would keep working and um, not, not spending money. And he's over here trying to freaking. Okay. Anyways. So Susan was pregnant with their second child at this point, And there were signs that the baby might be born with Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis. And she mentioned that. Josh might not be as loving towards that child. I the the way that she just knows he's a jerk is just astounding to me. Like I she know. just knows it. She can pick point like she knows him so well already and it's just getting worse. But anyway, she she still loved her kids. So on January 2nd, 2007, baby Brayden was born a few weeks shy of the 2-year birthday of his older brother Charlie. So they're both very little together. And uh they were both January babies, so that's really cute. Um Brayden had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck twice and was five pounds and the hospital staff had to use Susan's oxygen to get him to start breathing again. But Brayden ended up being fine and healthy and Susan looked at this as like a miracle. So Susan is now watching both baby boys and uh, the dream of the real estate uh, career went down the drain. They had only one vehicle, a 2005 Chrysler Town & Country minivan. And I'm thinking that this is the one I'm going to go back again later. So I know I'm jumping all over the place with the dates. I'm sorry, guys. So this is in 2005. And I'm going to mention this van again later because it's a way that Josh controls where she goes. So just keep that in mind. They had two vehicles at one point, but then he sold one and bought a new one. And um, so in April 2007, they filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Records show that at the time he had more than $30,000 in credit card debt and nearly $59,000 um, in student loans and nearly $100,000 owed to the company that he had cheated and uh, that they took him to court. So he also owed Susan's dad $3,000 and he also cheated his brother because his brother apparently lent him some money and he used his motorcycle as collateral and gave it to his brother. But then when they moved to Utah, Josh took the motorcycle back. So he just cheated his brother out of their deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the court didn't wipe it clean. I don't know what I was trying to say. Did or didn't wipe it clean his debt. I can't tell. But anyway, um, he reaffirmed his mortgage and car loan. But the credit card balances in the phone book lawsuit disappeared. And the Great Recession was on its way. He began talking to talking about fleeing the U.S. when a natural disaster was looming in his mind. So he's starting to have like weird thoughts and um, friends mentioned that he would bring up weird, he would be like uh, the person to talk about something random in a conversation when adults are already talking about something else. Mm-hmm. He would just kind of be like a nuisance. Um, and Susan did her best to keep her spirits up. She started a garden and kept friendships. She learned how to make bread and had a wheat storage and read self-help books. She said she was feeling alone and frustrated, but she's aware how blessed she is and she feels selfish for um, asking for improvements. By the end of, or by the start of 2008, they needed regular jobs again. She knows they still owe money, even if Josh doesn't think so. She landed a job at Wells Fargo Investments in the call center like she was a in the call center at Fidelity. And once again, she's running the house and working full time. She feels like a single mother. And she states that in her journal, she was yearning for a better marriage with Josh, but divorce was always in the, in the back of her mind. She knew that the boys deserved better too. I'm sure there are cons. Uh, Here are the cons of Josh Powell so far, if you guys didn't uh, keep up and all the wrongs that he just did. And he's just basically, this is just basically why we hate him. So lack of intimacy, debt and spending habits. When they got married, he was already in a hole and Susan was paying for things. And Steve even talks about that, like that Susan deserves better, which I don't know if he's referring to himself because hell no, but he's saying like Josh, he has pretty much convinced Susan to pay off Catherine's and his debt. 
Because she forgets that he went into debt while he was with Catherine and then just kept the debt there, not even caring about it. Mm -hmm. And he stayed close to his father despite his advances towards his wife. And she was not over what happened by the time she realized that he was still talking uh, he was still talking to him, so that's a problem. The refusal and straight-up disrespect of Susan's Mormon church, which is sad because, honestly, if she wouldn't have been so involved in the church, she probably would have left him sooner. I don't blame the church, but what I mean is that she put so much into her faith and, in turn, put faith in the idea that her marriage would get better mm-hmm. by praying and, and doing everything. So, yeah. um, but, the, but if this wasn't enough, the jealous and controlling behaviors towards Susan were the most scary, in my opinion, and at one point, he demanded that she write an ex-boyfriend out of her older journals. Um, she had written in the past about her boyfriend at the time, and he was not happy about that. And But she didn't. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to change my life story just because you're insecure or whatever. So good for you, Susan. What else? Let's see. But he won't even go to second base with her. So what is he really jealous of? What the heck? Next. This doesn't just come out of nowhere, though. And here's what people forget. That this stuff comes with a way of thinking and misogyny. And Josh's view on women and how women should be and act started all of this. But of course, before he was taught a, before that, he was taught certain things from his father, Steve. Steve's divorce paperwork gave the disturbing details that Terry described. Steve showed Josh and his brother porn when they were young without teaching them anything helpful to go along with that stuff. What? So they were just, just pretty much, yeah. They were taught like objectifying pretty much without being like, make sure you respect women, you know, and consent is important and this mm-hmm. and that. Like he didn't do any of that. He would just be like, hey, look at this, you know, whatever. And uh, he gave them no rules at all. And like I mentioned last time, he taught them that humans are just animals and they should get to have sex whenever they want with whoever. And it's a very selfish, narcissistic way of thinking when you think about it. And Steve and Josh both seem to place blame on women rather than holding themselves accountable for anything. Like they do no wrong and they don't make women feel uncomfortable at all, which they do. Mm -hmm. The OG incel is what I call Josh and Steve. (laughs) I wanted to take a moment to define what an incel is just to put us all on the same page. So let me pull that up because this is like a new kind of language that we're learning because with the Reddit community and everything. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, in incel is an involuntary celibate, a member of an online subculture of people who define themselves as unable to find romantic or sexual partner despite desiring one. Um, I'm angry in this episode because it seems to be too hard to understand that dangerous outcomes stem from this kind of lifestyle. It's, it doesn't just sprout out of nowhere. Um, it's a way of thinking and it's taught and it's learned. So if we can stop this, then we can, we are more likely to feel safer as women. Um, and as just people in general, general, and we'll feel safer to trust people. And according to Merriam Webster, I'm going to give the other definition. An incel is a person, usually a man who regards himself as being involuntarily celibate and typically expresses extreme resentment and hostility towards those who are sexually active. This mostly places the blame on the other person. And in this case, Josh blamed the women that he was interested in. If they aren't into him and what he is putting out, well, it's their loss. And the very beginning episodes of the Cold Podcast um, mentioned some of his earlier love interests and what he had to say about that because they were not interested in him. So it definitely applies. I'm not just throwing this out of any uh, out of nowhere. So I will say that the one time this didn't apply was when Steve's obsession was so deep that he stated in his journals that she deserved better than Josh, and Josh um, put them in so much debt and she was working hard to pay it off and Steve took note of that but he's still gross I mean I'm not gonna deny that anywho we all know that if Josh had a hold of Reddit at this time he would definitely fit right into that community (laughs) who knows maybe that's what he was doing on that laptop that day just it was like gotta go guys my wife is going to going into labor ugh Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) seeing these family portraits um and I'll um I'll be posting them to the Instagram. Seeing these family portraits, you couldn't think of what would happen to this family. And I don't want to compare, but I feel very similar when I see the Watts family portraits. <gasps> That's what I'm um, thinking of. That's so weird. Right. Oh, gosh. It's just awful. Like, such happy faces. It's such a beautiful family. And the wives, they're just, they just want a normal, happy life. They just want to raise a family. And they don't ask for too much. They're not, you know, trying to live lavishly. They, 
it's not, even if they were, they didn't deserve what happened to them. And it, I just get that same vibe whenever I see the Watts family and this family in, in photos. Um, and why couldn't these men just let that, you know, let them have that life with someone else, if not them? Yeah. They were just fucking cowards. So, and I forgot to mention the age that Josh was last time uh, when Terry and Steve got divorced. So Josh was 16 and he was devastated by the divorce. And I'm just going to discuss this a bit because it applies to why he would never have granted Susan a divorce. And it was never in his plans, if you really take a look at it. The Salt Lake Tribune reported on the details of Josh Powell's divorce documents. This gave the public an inside look at the marriage, but it also gives us some insight into Josh's development um, as a person and as a young man. So something interesting I took from it was the statement by California psychiatrist and expert in character and personality dynamics, David Rice. <clears throat> he said, a child living within the family dynamics described in the divorce filings often tries to appease a parent who terrifies them by usually subconsciously adopting their beliefs and thought patterns. On some level, the child is going to align themselves with the person he sees as a threat. A child learns safety depends on a parent's moods rather than his or her own behavior. They get into a view of the world where emotions define reality instead of logic. And an, exa an example I brought up last time when Josh felt accepted and excited to be a part of the Boy Scouts, but upon hearing Steve's negative comments about the church that sponsored the organization, he stopped participating in things that made him happy. Uh, the divorce documents also listed the religion issue was a big divider and the custody of the children became a big thing attached to that. Of course, Terry hoped to raise her children in religion. It was something she loved and that brought her comfort and joy and wanted to see them raised in that environment. And we're going to see that Susan felt pretty much the same way about it. They both didn't have husbands to provide what the church did and yeah. a support, which was a support system. And I'm sure that that played a big part in why they wanted to be involved. Um, Steve had said Terry was practicing witchcraft and devil worship, but really she had just adopted some new age practices with her Mormon beliefs. Um, and she studied herbs and natural healing. So he just tried to play it off. Like she was just doing evil stuff to make her look bad. Um, but Damn. Terry swung back with revealing that mm -hmm. Steve had books on the occult and an interest in porn. Yeah. <laughs> he had been corrupted. So he's really the evil one, not her. But back to Josh, the parenting style used by Steve may have done some damage to Josh's mental health. This is insinuated by Terry's comments, and I think she really hits home with this. Terrica said she believed her son's difficulties were due to not knowing where the boundaries are and what the limits of acceptable behavior are. Terry had, uh, isn't it? It applies to literally everything. Um he has no boundaries at all for anything. He just does whatever he wants and money is infinite to him. Like he doesn't owe anything. It's just, it applies to everything. So he had no kind of structure from his father growing up. Just, just like destructive kind of structure structure. Terry had described that Steve wouldn't correct behaviors consistently. Sometimes he would ignore them and sometimes he would blow up on the kids. She said that the blowups were yelling, insulting, and spanking the children far too forcefully and for far too long. Um, so imagine not knowing what to expect like every day. Josh being the oldest, and I'll go ahead and add in that Steve called him independent. So he's, uh, he's, I guess the only one that stood out as independent to them. He took the brunt of the punishment often, and he was subjected to contradictory, overly harsh discipline. And Steve pretty much admitted it out of fear by saying that it was out of fear because he said that he had no idea how to handle Josh, that he was afraid to lose control of Josh. And he mentioned that he can't spank him, spank him anymore. And spanking didn't even work when he was younger. Josh became withdrawn as a teen, and when he was 13 or 14, he attempted suicide by hanging. Um, and that's when she said, uh, not knowing where the boundaries are and what the limits of acceptable behavior are, that's when that uh, was brought up in the article um, as to why he was suddenly having like an internal battle, Josh was. Um, and we will see the pattern continue with Josh. In this paperwork, she mentions that Steve tried tirelessly to turn her kids against her, and it worked. There have been many times when I have been afraid of Steve and or the boys because of their extremely hateful behavior, Terika wrote. 
They group together and stir each other up to almost a fever pitch at times. Their vehemence is also, is often flashed in their eyes and body language, making me feel threatened. And that's so sad. That's their mother. Yep. And that's they have no household dad. They have no respect. And that's something that my mom taught me a long time ago, that if a man treats his wife with disrespect, his sons are going to treat women with disrespect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I call the shots. They don't, women don't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a horrible way to show your children how to treat people in general. But when it's their mother, it's like, oh, well, if my mom doesn't even matter to me, then, you know. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So Becky Mulcahy, Mulcahy, I think, Tarika's sister was visiting at the time and she observed that the older boys had a very distorted image of their own unquestionable right to anything they darn well please, combined with a very deep contempt towards women in general and any authority at all, all encouraged by their father. So yes, people, it's true. It starts in the home or at least in the environment that you're in. So just keep that in mind whenever you think you're just joking around and there's a, a young boy nearby, a young child. Um, and the cops planned a secret operation that came to light in the episode in episode 10 of the cold podcast. Once again, I'm going to say that he had um, that he has everything you want to know. So go over there if you want more details. He did a great job and um, he was able to get a hold of official documents not released to anyone else, not to mention those interviews and statements that people who knew them gave him. And then, yes, I was right. So uh, www.deseret.com. And just look up that and then Susan Powell and you'll find a bunch of stuff that is put together to look into what she was going through and all the secret stuff that Josh had documented in his voice journals. Um, So guys, I'm going to go ahead and end it there so that next time we can jump into what Susan and Josh's marriage is like um, without me cutting off any details. And then we can discuss how that starts boiling up to her going missing. And uh, yeah, so please let us know what you think about Josh and our discussion on misogyny. If this was super boring to anyone, I'm kind of sorry, but at the same time, I'm not. Even if you already know how this stuff starts and everything, I just thought it was important to Susan's story and um, and Terry as well. Uh, She was able to get out of her marriage and Susan should have been allowed that same right Mm -hmm. And it's just unfortunate and devastating that she didn't have that same chance. It's it's just overall a very heartbreaking story. And it just gets worse and worse um, the more you look at it. So I'm going to end it there. The other day I went to Cane's for Hunter. I don't even really like Cane's. I was picking it up on the way home and I was already like having a rough week. And then um, I hate driving and I hate confrontation. And it all just came to a head. <gasps> what happened? Kind of. Well, okay. So the canes, okay. There's a, it's a weird drive through situation where, um, this person was in front of me and I didn't know that they were a man. They were just a truck and they were like, not, they didn't have their signal light to go into the canes drive through and they didn't have hazards on or anything. And he was a little bit more to the right of the road. So I was like, is he just waiting for somebody or something? So whenever the person that was in the drive-through started going forward, the person behind me started going around me. And I was like, are they trying to go to Kane's also? And I was like, I'm in line. So I, and I had my signal light on the whole time that I was going to be turning there. So I start going around this person and getting in the line and the person behind me starts doing the same thing. But then the the guy in the truck starts honking, like honk, 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 like what the heck? And I turn around and I'm like, well, like you didn't move. And I put my hands up like, sorry, like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, pay attention. If the line's moving, fucking move. And I tell the attendant because they, they take orders from outside like mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. And I was like, um, I was like, hey, you can take that guy's order first. I didn't know he was in line. I'm sorry about that. If you need me to move or something, let me know. And they were like, no, you're fine. You can stay where you're at. It was it the guy that was honking at you. Like they were more worried about me and like worried about like a dr- like a dramatic situation than anything. So I felt really, th- I was like very happy that they were cool with that. But so I sent the guy to, to behind me to get that order. And then the girl was like, what, what's going on? And I was like, um, I accidentally cut that guy in line. I didn't know he was in line. She's like, oh, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. And they made me feel so much better. And then they took my order and then they were like, we'll just have to get your names so that we can keep it in order up there. And I gave my name and I found out that the guy's name behind me was Sean. And so when I got up there, I was like, um, 
they were like, can I have the name for the order? And I was like, Abby. And I was like, Sean's behind me because I was still feeling petty. (laughs) I was pissed. Because he embarrassed me by not getting his shit together and moving with the line. You You should have um, not. For the first time, I asserted myself. Because, you know, usually, and Hunter knows this, like, usually I will wait behind somebody until I know for sure what they're doing. And sometimes they aren't even in, like, they don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not even, or in general, like, I'll stand in a line and I won't know what it's for, but I'm assuming it's for what I need. Mm -hmm. And this time I just, like, went for it and I got freaking. Dude, I know exactly (laughs) what you mean. But I don't understand why you were like that guy. Was, I cut that guy in line. Like fuck it, you cut him in line. You're you're next now. But that's what I'm saying. Like I don't want people to think I'm like. And that's the thing is like Hunter's always telling me, "Why do you worry about? You don't know any of these people. You probably will never see them again." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't want them to think I'm a person that cuts in line for canes. Are you kidding me? I don't cut in fast food lines. Like that is so embarrassing. That so that's too. why I was but like, but you have to think." It doesn't matter if you think that they are going to be like, oh, no, she's not this way because of what she's doing. You have no idea what they're going to think of mm-hmm. you. They could literally think of you as some completely different way and not even based on what you're fucking worrying about. So, like, it doesn't you're even right. matter. They could still think you're a bitch just because of the I face know. that you're making. And you can't help that regardless. So Exactly. I fucking man. Hate. This is why I hate humans. I just they I, I they know. Really think too much, and I don't want to. They're too much work. They are. <laughs> like I'm uh, already. My brain is already going five thousand miles an hour. <laughs> I don't need another human being to add to this fucking equation. Like, don't. Oh, I can't. As someone wise once said, "Say what you need to say." I want to see you be brave. <laughs> I was going to sing it, but I already did the lowest impression earlier, so that's oh really pushing God. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. But, yeah, so, anyways, everybody's testing me lately, so I'm going to have to – I'm being forced to assert myself, and I don't like it, people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We're going to have part three up shortly, and – you guys can take a listen to that where we are going to dive into their marriage and see all of the signs that, and even her parents see the signs, her friends know everything. It's just so uh, heart wrenching. So mm-hmm. we're going to be catching up with that next time and make sure you leave us a review on Apple podcasts if you can and tell your family and friends about us so that we can share Susan Powell's story because I feel like not enough people know story and it's very important and it's such a life lesson for so many people so thanks for listening guys so did we give you the creeps